Bible-loving saints, welcome to another edition of Talking Bible Truth with Dr. Kamala D. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D., here to help you grow in faith and walk in God's amazing grace. We are continuing in this six-part series entitled, Know Your Enemy, Satan. Today's episode is lie number four, God is glorified through sickness. It was very difficult for me to even uh, recite that lie, but I wanted you to know what today's episode is about. I want you to sit back, relax, hear God's word, receive it in your heart, and prepare to receive your healing. Now let's get into it. All right, saints, we are going to get some Christians healed today. We are going to punch the devil dead smack in the center of his lying mouth. Now, if you have been a Christian for any length of time, chances are that you may have heard one of these statements. I'm sick for the glory of God. God is teaching me something through my sickness or God is teaching you something through your sickness. God's trying to get your attention. So he put this sickness on you. Well, it's true that when Jesus and the apostles walked the earth, they did perform miracles and heal people. However, those are are, are not for us today. Now, I don't know if you heard those questions or, or those statements made, but I have. Oh yeah, I have definitely set a lot of people straight. And when they see the scripture, they didn't know how to respond. They ran just like the Satan, like, like Satan does. He tuck his tail and run when he hear the word of God. Now, many leading ministers have made a big deal about the idea that God makes people sick for his glory and that the way he gets the glory from his children is by having them afflicted with some disease or or sickness. Oh my God, it's painful for me to even say that. But I have to say it because I'm telling you that's what's happening today. Now, it may sound reasonable when you examine uh, church history or denominational history, because there have been so many Christians who have been sick and have died before their time because they just didn't know that God uh, wanted to heal them and could heal them. They were being told something contrary. Now, that idea and all the statements I, I quoted come as a result of ignorance of what the Bible says about sickness, disease, and healing. People are just ignorant uh, uh, of what the Bible says. And God says in Hosea 4 and 6, and I have um, mentioned this scripture throughout this series, that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. They are. We can paraphrase that and say my people are destroyed because they are ignorant of my word. We can say that today. And guess who wants you ignorant so he can destroy you? It definitely ain't God. Now, y'all should know that high. God doesn't want you ignorant of of, uh, his word. The devil does because that's how you defeat him. Uh huh. You beat him with the word of God, not with your words, not with your denominational words, but with the word of God. Now, to answer this question, is God glorified through sickness? We must first establish from the Bible where the origin of sickness is. We must always recognize that the word of God must be the final line of defense. Not my opinion, not your opinion, or whatever you heard, but what the word says. If God created the universe and keeps it running perfectly, then he certainly knows what he means in his word. God knows what he's talking about, people. 
Now, in the 13th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, we have a situation outlined that clearly presents the origin of sickness and disease. And you've heard this before, but I'm going to read it again. I read it where I see fit. Look at Luke 13, um, verses 10 and 12. Now he, that he is Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to himself and said to her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. Now, Jesus does not say you are loosed from your blessing. Mm -mm, and I'm not trying to be comical here, but people really believe that sickness is from God. And they need, I'm about to set them free today. I'm going to set that lie free today. He didn't say you are loose from, from the glory of God. He didn't say any of that. He says you are loosed from your infirmity. An infirm person in common language is someone who is not functioning up to par physically or mentally. That person is impaired in his or her ability to function as a physical organism. Now notice something very important in the next verse, verse 13. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Now right there, if we did not go any further, that punches a big old hole in the bottom of the cup of those people who have been saying, I'm sick for the glory of God. This lady had been bound for 18 years. And the first thing that pops out of her mouth when she is healed is praise the Lord. Glory to God. Verse 13 says she glorified God. She glorified God when she was set free, when she was healed, when she was loosed from that infirmity. Now, if we are able to believe God uh, gets the glory out of people being sick, this is a strange scripture. It's a, it's a strange turnabout. Apparently during those 18 years, she was bound. This lady was not saying glory to God. Now, if she had already been saying glory to God, there would be no need for her to say it now. No, she glorified God when she was healed. Mm -hmm. Luke 13, 14. Let's read this. Luke 13, verse 14. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them, them being the six days and not on the Sabbath day. Now, wasn't that just the, the, the most loving and, and kind and compassionate uh, ruler of the synagogue? Here was a woman who for 18 years could not lift herself up and is finally set free from her infirmity. And all this man could say is, well, you did it on the Sabbath day. Much like some preachers today who never read the Bible and get and just get indignant because you do not do the things their way. Because mm -hmm. you just don't do things their way. You better follow Jesus. You know, uh, what you, you know the saying, oh, God is good and he's good all the time. Well, if God is good and he's good all the time, which is true, why are you associating him with something bad? Sickness. When, when Jesus clearly said whom Satan has bound. You know, this is not new information. This been in your Bible over 2,000 years. It's not new. This been in your Bible. Now notice very clearly how Jesus answered the ruler in the next two verses. The point he makes is, is extremely important to what we are uh, discussing here. Look at Luke uh, 13, 15 and 16. The Lord then answered him and said, hypocrite, 
Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this lady being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan has bound, whom Satan has bound, whom Satan has bound? Think of it for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. Hmm. My Lord, have mercy. The thought of people standing in what they call the house of the Lord and say that God made people sick and these scriptures are right here for us to see who is the originator of sickness. Jesus wanted it clearly understood that God did not benefit from binding from the binding of this woman. Jesus said the woman was bound by the devil those 18 years. Now for the entire time this woman was sick, uh, she could not lift herself up. It was the work of the devil, my Lord, not the work of God. This directly ties into what the apostle Peter says in Acts 10:38, which effectively sums up Jesus threefold and a half. He had three and a half years of ministry on this earth, three and a half years. Listen what Peter says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him and healing all that were oppressed by the devil. God does not oppress anyone. It's the devil. And he is deceiving many people, first, to make you think he doesn't exist, second, to make you think you don't need the Bible. You, do, do, you, you see where I'm going? If you, if you read the Bible, you're gonna see his lies. That, that's why he don't want you reading the Bible. He wants you to listen to the ministers that he planted in the pulpit. Now, this statement must refer to everyone Jesus healed and healing all that were oppressed by the devil. Otherwise, it does not tell us about the entire healing ministry of Jesus. Therefore, we can conclude that sickness and disease is satanic oppression. If anyone should have known Jesus' attitude about sickness and disease, it should have been Peter, James, John, and Paul. Peter was one of the big three. Paul came along after, but Peter was one of the big three, along with Jesus, uh, along with James and John, when Jesus was here physically. These three disciples were Jesus's high command, so to speak. Now, anytime a major decision had to be made or a new direction had to be taken, Jesus would call aside Peter, James, and John. For the three and a half years they traveled with him, they were his right hand men now there's nobody today that know what Jesus did in the flesh better than the uh, the apostles that were with him physically they know Jesus they know they can tell us about Jesus now listen listen now how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing. So healing must be good, right? Since Peter says, who went about doing good and healing. You notice healing came after the word good. If healing is good, sickness must be bad. We know the opposite of good is bad. 
Jesus ain't gonna heal you from something that's supposed to be good for you. Why would Jesus heal you from something that's supposed to be good for you? My Lord, my Lord. Mm. Now, so we know if it's bad, it cannot come from God because God is not bad. He's not, God is good. The Bible says that God is love. God is the very essence of love. And there cannot be anything bad in love because love is God. Love is the very essence of God. So there they ain't nothing bad in God. Now who in their right mind gonna think sickness is good? Who? Ain't nothing good about sickness. You shouldn't be happy that nobody is sick. You know, if I stump a toe, I'm crying. If I stump, y'all know you hit your elbow or stump your toe, you don't even want anybody talking to you. Now, in fact, on one occasion when someone ran up to, to Jesus and kneeled before him and he called him good teacher, Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. So how is God glorified? You know, we now have two witnesses, Jesus and Peter, who say sickness and disease do not come from God but Satan that fulfills the scripture uh, prerequisite for, for proof. Since the Bible says in second Corinthians 13 and one by the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Okay. So now the question becomes, is God glorified through sickness or is he glorified through healing? So for which one y'all think, I think I've read enough to confirm God is only glorified through healing. But, but let's continue. Now, to answer this, we will examine more scriptures and see if any of them make reference to the idea that God is glorified through sickness. Okay. The first verses of scripture we will read are found in the ninth chapter of John. In the case of the man who was born blind. John chapter nine, verses one and two. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, you got to remember the disciples that was rolling with Jesus were Jews. They were Jews who believed fully. They knew who he was because, oh, yes, they, they saw the miracles he was performing. Only God can do the miracles that Jesus performed. And that same power, by the way, is within us. So it is, inter excuse me, it is interesting that the disciples did not ask, did God make this man blind? They didn't ask that. They were spiritually astute enough to recognize that blindness and sickness and crippling diseases do not come as a result of doing good, but of doing evil. Now notice how Jesus answers their question. Look at nine, uh, John chapter nine, verse three. Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed. Now some people say that the man was born blind for the work of God. That is what this verse can appear to say if you read it that if you read it like that. And that is why that is what the um that's the way it appears uh to be written in the New King James Bible. But is that what it it really says? Is that what it's saying? Now let's look at John chapter 9 verse 1 and 2. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, the disciples asked Jesus a twofold question. They were saying, in essence, the man is blind. We can see that. What we want to know is what caused it. What caused his blindness? 
Did this man sin? Because believe it or not, the Jews believed a baby could sin inside its mother's womb. I know that sounds ridiculous and it is ridiculous. Yeah, it sounds ridiculous because it is ridiculous. Or, or they believed his parents sinned that he was born blind. Jesus had to give them one of three specific answers. The man, his parents, or neither one because they asked him a specific question. Now, let's look at John 9, verse 3 and 4. Let's look at how Jesus answered them again. Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Now, I, I, boy, I tell you, let's let, look at, look at this again. Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Jesus answered their question. Uh, didn't he? Didn't Jesus answer their question? Now, let's look at, um, I must work the works of him who sent me. He then set about doing the work. What was the work of God? To make the man see. Okay. Jesus said, I must do the work of God. Okay. And we know the work is making the man see. Jesus healed the man. Mm -hmm. Now, if it were the will of God that the man be blind, then Jesus interrupted the will of God by healing the man. Not only that, but it would have contradicted the word of God because in John 14, 10, Jesus says he is not the one doing the works, but the father who is in him. How could God who was in Jesus first make the man blind, then heal the man from his blindness? You know, God would be working against himself. I mean, sometimes common sense will, uh, will let you see what the scriptures are saying. You know, it was God's will for that blind man to be healed just as it is his will for every blind person to be healed today. But people don't know it or, or either they know it and just don't believe it. You know, it's one of the two. There is no middle. Either people, you know, they just don't know God is the healer. And either they know somebody told them, but they just don't believe it because they're walking by sight. They're not walking by faith. Now let's look at the tomb of Lazarus. This is another scripture which can appear to say that God is glorified through sickness and, and which has been uh, misinterpreted also throughout the years uh, is the story of the raising of Lazarus. Let's look at John chapter 11, verse one and four, okay? Now a certain man was sick Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with her with a fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God, that the man of God may be glorified through it. Now let's rightly divide this stuff, okay? Let's rightly divide this stuff. Now someone may read that and, and say at this point, you see, 
You know, even Jesus said this man was sick for the glory of God. That's not what Jesus said. That is not what Jesus said at all. When Jesus heard that, he said this, this sickness is not unto death. Do, do, do you catch that? This sickness is not unto death. In essence, what Jesus was saying is this sickness will not end in death, but will end in the glory of God. Now, uh, later in, in this chapter, Jesus says that Jesus entered the town where Mary and Martha were. Lazarus had been dead for four days from the sickness. And Jesus went out to the tomb where he was buried. Remember that Jesus had said the end of the sickness would not be to death. Okay. Remember what Jesus said, not what the person in the pulpit at your denomination saying here. Remember what Jesus said, but the glorifying of God. Let's look at John chapter 11, uh, 39 and 40. Okay. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench for he has been dead for day for four days or he has been dead four days. Now, listen to this. This is very important. Listen to what uh, Jesus, what Jesus said to her. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God? Did you catch that? Did you catch that? If the sickness that apparently ended in death was for the glory of God, <sighs> he had talked about four days ago, because um, Jesus had made this statement four days prior to the death, remember? Jesus would have, he would have to leave Lazarus in the grave because God was getting glory out of, of this man being dead, right? Huh? Isn't that what you've been hearing over the years? Now, if he brought him out of the grave, God would not get any, any more glory out of it because that man would not be dead anymore. Do you hear how this sounds foolish? How people, you can read this scripture and then come to that conclusion. Now look at John 11, 41 and 42. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me and I know that you always hear me but because of the people who are standing by me who are standing standing by I said this that they may believe that you sent me now Jesus does not say I thank you that you are about to hear me or I thank you that you are hearing me now he says I thank you that you have heard me that is past tense when did God hear him? Four days before? Yes. Praise God. God heard Jesus four days prior to the death of Lazarus. When he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. See, Jesus had already knew the man was going to be healed then. He made, he made that statement. Now listen, one of the key references here, and one of the key principles in the operation of faith in the kingdom of God are the words Jesus himself says in Mark 11 and 23. Listen, for assuredly I say to you, whosoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, 
but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. That is, if it's within the word of God, by the way, if it's within God's will. Because he, you know, you, you can't go around believing in your heart, I want my neighbor to die because her husband looked better than mine. Uh-huh, yeah. They got people out there that feel like that. No, God is not answering that. You know, you have not because you ask amiss. Okay, that's another teaching, but I just thought I'd throw that out there. Now, Jesus desired that which would bring God glory would come to pass. For that reason, he stood at the grave and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, John chapter 11, verse 43 and 44 says this. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice. Lazarus come forth and he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with a cloth Jesus said to him loose him and let him go oh that sent chills through my body the glory of God Jesus mentioned was for Lazarus to be well not to die again if the glory of God were for Lazarus to be sick and die, Jesus would have left him in the tomb. But Jesus did not do that. He raised him up because that's what God does. God is about life. He is not about death. He is about healing. He is not about sickness. God is about deliverance. He is not about you being bound with an infirmity. He is not about you being having the devil and demons take you over. God is about setting you free. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I was about to go off and start preaching, child, like when I'm preaching before a live audience. <laughs> let me let me get back in, in, in check and, and, and get back in order. Uh, just clowning with you guys. Um, now, I'm getting ready to say something, but we are going to uh, discuss this matter in more detail in the last episode of this six part series. Now, God gives us a minimum of 70 years and a maximum of 120. If you so happen to die before 70, you have died before your before the minimum years God gave you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, another scripture we will look at is in Luke 7, namely the story of the widow of Nain's son. Okay, this is Luke chapter 7, verses 11 and 14. Now, it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried, was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. You know, Jesus saying, Do not cry. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, let's stop right there. Notice Jesus did not say old man. He said, young man, 
The fact that he said young man means this man had not lived out his full life. Under the old covenant, the children of Israel were promised a minimum of 70 years. That's the minimum they were, they were promised. They were, nobody was dying before the age of 70 if they stayed under the covenant. Now, if a person died before he turned 70, he was actually cheated out of the years he should have, he should have had on earth. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Let's look at Luke 7, 14 and 16. Then he came and touched the open coffin and those who, those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak and he presented him to his mother. Then fear, now the word fear here means respect. Then respect came upon all and they glorified God. Mm, they glorified God. Why do you think they did that? Because the young man was raised from the dead. That's why they glorified God. Because this young man was literally raised from the dead. Jesus said, mm-mm, mm-mm. This widow's son, her only son left her too early. Uh-uh. He said, young man. Young man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now let's look at, uh, let's look at Luke uh, 7, verse 16. Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has risen upon us and God has visited his people oh my oh my isn't that something when life came the people said God has visited his people now if God visited his people when it, it this must mean when death comes it must not be God you know, especially if a person's life is, it has ended before he reaches the, the minimum number of years, which is 70. Okay. Now, now let me clarify something here. I realize physical death is here and that everyone will physically die. If Jesus does not come back before that time, the Bible very plainly states in Hebrews Chapter nine, verse 27. Uh-huh, y'all thought I didn't know about that scripture. You better believe I know about it. Now, now, now I want you to listen to this. Uh, in Jesus, I'm, I'm sorry. In Hebrews chapter nine, verse 27, it says this. It is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. Now, however, the wise man who is instructed in the word and knows how to walk by faith recognizes that though it, it is appointed for men to die once, he is the one who should be making the appointment. That's right. That's what I just said. You should be appointing when you leave here. Now, after, after you have lived at least 70 years and is fully satisfied with his life, not before, not before. You should not be dying before the age, before age 70. And let me tell you something. My mother died at a tender age of 56. My mother willed herself to death. I used to not be able to discuss this because it was painful, but I now know it may bless someone. My mother and my father were married and had four children, three girls, including me, and one boy, one son. 
My father was the only man that my mother ever dated, had ever been with. They married young. My mother, thank God, my mother was saved. My mother was a Christian uh, when she left here. But my daddy cheated on my mother. And it devastated her. Uh, as a matter of fact, that was the reason they split. And bless my mother's heart, my mother was one of the nicest people you'd ever want to meet. She, she looked out for everybody, everyone. It devastated her so much she spiraled into a deep state of depression. Uh, but that was the only man my mother ever knew, uh, ever been with, never dated after divorce. My, my, my father ended up remarrying and he didn't even marry the woman he had a, a, a child with. Yes, he fathered a child uh, during his marriage uh, outside of his covenant with my mother. Um, and it devastated her. My mother went into a deep state of depression and she died at the age 56. My mother would have been in her 80s had she still been here. Yes. Um that was not God's will for my mother to spiral into a deep state of depression and wheel herself out of here. It wasn't. And I often say, I mean, that my mother died years ago. If, uh, if I knew then what I know now, if I was, uh, the minister that I am today back then, I all, I truly believe my mother would still be here today because I would have ministered the word of God to my mother. I would have laid my hands on my mother. I would have prayed for healing for my mother. Yeah, yeah. Now, I want to move away from that because I'm getting a little full. I'm getting sad to talk about that. So let's look at um, your body being the temple of God. In each of the cases we, we have read, you know, God received the glory when someone was healed not when that person was afflicted, not when that individual was sick. God was glorified when they were either delivered or healed. Now, you will not find a scripture that contradicts this. You won't find it. Because if you do, that will mean God is the author of confusion. And the Bible emphatically states that God is not the author of confusion. In fact, if you read through the four gospels and the book of Acts, you will find many more instances which confirm what I just said. Mm -hmm. You got to study the Bible, sisters and brothers, for your benefit, for your blessings. If you are still not convinced that God is not glorified through sickness, notice what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God and you are not your own for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, how can you glorify God in your body when it does not function right? And I am not trying to hurt anyone's feelings. Excuse me. I truly am not. I just want you to understand where God is coming from. I want you to understand this for your benefit. The Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. What makes you think God wants to live in a body where he cannot see through the eyes or hear through the ears or where the limbs or organisms and cells do not function correctly? You will not want to live in a house with a leaky roof, 
the toilet running over and the electricity not working. I know you don't. So why treat, treat God any differently? If he lives in a body that does not function properly, he will be limited to help you. Yeah, yeah, he will be limited. Now let's look at the blessing of Abraham. Uh, this is surely going to bless you, okay? We looked at this before, but I want us to uh, reread Luke chapter 13, 10 through 16, because there is something extremely important in these passages of scripture, which we did, we, we didn't point out. I didn't point out to you, okay? Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hand on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them. One of those six days, remember, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham? So ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years be loose from this bond on the Sabbath. Jesus was trying to get them to understand by saying, talking about Abraham since they were uh, under, they claimed to be under the Abrahamic covenant. Jesus said, think of, think of it. Think about it. She's a daughter of Abraham, dude. What's wrong with you guys? You don't think she should be healed? You know, on the Sabbath? Come on now. Man, only Jesus could have done what he did for us. God knew exactly what he was doing. Man, man would not have been able to take what Jesus took because I would have been there just, <laughs> uh, I was about to jump in the flesh, people. Yeah, we still, we still got this fleshly body. Let me leave that alone. Let me leave that alone. Now, Jesus said the devil had the woman bound and, and that because she was a daughter of Abraham, she ought to be loosed. Now, it is interesting to note why Jesus said the woman was a daughter of Abraham. God had established a covenant with Abraham and there is what is called the blessing of Abraham. Uh-huh. That blessing, which is outlined in the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy, includes the fact that the people who operate under the blessing would have divine health and sickness could not raise its ugly head under their roofs. It said... If they followed the word of God and lived under his commandments, God would take sickness out of the midst of them. See the sickness that, that the devil put on them. God had promised to take it out, to take it out from the midst of them. Now the Bible says we are the seed, the spiritual children of Abraham. Now because of that, we are entitled to the blessing of Abraham. The apostle Paul tells us in Galatians chapter three, verse 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that blessings 
that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. He also says this in verse 28 and 29 of the same chapter. Listen, there is neither Jew nor Greek and Greek uh, is Gentile, the word Gentile. Okay. The word Gentile, uh, the word uh, Gentile represents the word Greek. So wherever you hear reference to Greek in the Bible, we're talking about Gentiles. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Jesus said this woman was a daughter of Abraham but she perhaps did not know her covenant rights. Just like people today do not know their rights in Christ Jesus. Satan took advantage of her ignorance and put an affliction on her for 18 years. For 18 years. Woman should never have been sick. See, they were lying to people back then, just like they are continuing the lie today. See, tradition's gonna kill people. Send them straight to, the, straight to an early grave. Sending a lot of people to hell. Now, if Jesus had not come along, she probably would have died from that sickness. But thank God for Jesus. Thank God that Jesus came in time. Uh-huh. Paul mentions another important point in Galatians uh, 3 and 7. This is very important. Listen. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Are you of faith? I'm asking you saints are you a faith if you are not a faith that means you are not saved mm -hmm. every christian has to be of faith because as ephesians 28 points out for by grace you have been saved through faith uh-huh if you are of faith you are a child of abraham spiritually speaking and you are an heir of everything that abraham was an heir to Whatever the promise to Abraham was, we must have it too. Mm -hmm. We have rights to it too. In fact, the Bible says we have a better covenant than the one that the woman operated under, established under better promises. And y'all know I did a five-part series entitled A New Covenant with Better Promises. That's the covenant we are under, under the blood-bought covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, a new covenant with better promises you know for our covenant to be better it has to have everything the old covenant had and, and even more now if that woman could be healed under the old covenant <laughs> then we should be healed under the new covenant do 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 y'all follow me if she was healed under the old covenant then we should be healed under the new covenant because those who are in Christ through faith have been given the blessings of Abraham. And one of the blessings, that's just one, one of the blessings of Abraham is to be healed. Now, is God glorified through sickness? After you he heard all this I just discussed with you, is he glorified through sickness? No, we just punched the devil right in the mouth. Not according to the Bible, God is not glorified through sickness. God is glorified through healing and divine health because they work to his glory. They work to the glory of God. Yes, we will still be attacked with sickness. 
because we are always in a state of spiritual warfare with the devil and his forces. But we do not have to accept the sickness when it comes. We can stand against it on God's word and keep going without so much as breaking a stride. We are healed by his stripes. You got to stand on that. When sickness comes knocking at the door, you got to stand on uh, God's word about healing. God is glorified through your healing. You have to stand on, yes, by Jesus' stripes I'm healed. And I, I have been given authority to trample on uh, scorpions and, and to trample on, on serpents. You have to stand on that word, but you can't stand on the word if you don't know it. I can tell you last week I had eaten something uh, bad. And when I got home, I can tell it, it was about to attack me. It was nothing but the devil because he know I'm, I'm going to preach the word regardless. And no, I didn't have to go to the hospital. I went to Jesus. That's what I did. I went to Jesus. And that stuff, that mess came out of me and I was fine. Uh-huh. And, and, and I was fine. But you have to know your covenant rights and the blessings that exist under the covenant, the new covenant that you are under. Healing is at the top of the list. Now, thank you guys for listening to this message. Now, stay tuned. I want you to stay tuned for a brief message. Praise God for that powerful message. I hope you enjoyed this message. I truly did. I think we have covered enough scripture to determine that we should never glorify God for the sicknesses that Satan and his demons puts upon us. We should always glorify God for our healing and our deliverance. If you have any questions about this episode, please send your questions or comments to trustgod55.cd at gmail.com. Also, if you would like to continue to support this podcast financially so you can continue to hear the truth, please go to my Anchor or Spotify homepage and show your support by contributing an amount of your choice. Now, part five of this six-part series is entitled, Lie Number Five, Speaking in Tongues is of the Devil. Wow, we must be very careful here because blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven and speaking in tongues is associated with the Holy Spirit. Now until next time, saints, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D, rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. See you next time.